step by step, but I'm on a different pace. You won't see me on the ground, cause I'm walking on the waves. I don't ever look down, 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 I'm just focused on his face. I don't gotta know it all, that's a different type of faith. Hold up, I know you gon' show up every time. God together, to hear His Word together, and um, yeah, to have some fun together. I'm looking forward to an awesome night. These guys have been working super hard. They've got some good stuff for us tonight, so we can all enter into some awesome praise and worship together. Who knows that God loves us incredibly? Yeah. Who knows that God deserves us to praise Him, to glorify Him, to worship Him, to love Him. And we are privileged to be able to do that freely. Privileged. If you are a newcomer with us tonight, a huge welcome to you. It's good to see you. You are not a newcomer, Antonio. Nice try. If you are a newcomer, I hope you managed to grab a white bag on your way in. Um, if you didn't, then you are welcome to grab one on your way out. If you want to know what those look like, we have the awesome Jessica standing at the back there and she's holding one up on display. There you go. You can see those. So make sure you grab one of those. And we would love to be able to connect with you. So hopefully on the seat in front of you, you've got a QR code. Can you put your hand up if you have a QR code on the front, on the seat in front of you? 
some people. Put your hand up if you know how to use a QR code. Wow. Young people, come on, even I know how to. I know, why is everyone so surprised? Like, what? The QR code is just so that we can connect with you. So if you grab your phone out now, you're welcome to do that because I'm just going to chit-chat for a little bit. But (laughs) grab your phone out, scan the QR code, and it'll just enable us to be able to connect with you if you are a newcomer here. Um, Or, yeah, we'd just love to be able to connect with you. So do that at any stage. That'd be awesome. Has anyone had a birthday or a wedding anniversary in the last week? Yes. Jan, your, your wedding anniversary today. Woo, yeah. Oh, and Sheridan, Sheridan, does that, oh. Happy anniversary. Is that, now, is that his gift to you today? <laughs> Who? Oh, Ben Sears, your birthday today too. Happy 50th. Woo! <laughs> Do anyone else have a birthday or a wedding anniversary over here? Or keep your hand up nice and high. Anyone else have a birthday or wedding anniversary in the last week? Any of you guys? No? Awesome. All right, well, let's pray for these guys, eh? Father God, I thank you that you love to celebrate. Father God, I thank you that you give life and that um, you are in life and you are in relationships, Father God. And I declare blessing upon every person that's had a birthday or a wedding anniversary, Father God, that um, yeah, you would just be so evident in the next year of their lives, Father God. And I yeah, just declare your blessing and favour on them. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, let's turn our eyes to the screen and watch the video news. Hi everyone, Michael here. I wanted to talk about Pastor Sheridan's message from last week. He talked about running in your lane, the call of God on your life. I just wanted to say that that's really talking about God's grace and gifting. What is it that you're wired to do? And that's a journey, it's not a precise science. And I've found that you really need someone to be on that journey with you. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to put my hand up and say, hey, I'd love to be on that journey with you. You'll see my email address on the screen. We can talk online. We can talk face to face if you're in the Hamilton area because it's a journey to find what that looks like for you. And I found part of that journey is just saying yes to Jesus in the season you're in and just seeing what the opportunities are in the season that you're in and somehow God puts all of those together. It's like pieces in a jigsaw puzzle that build up the overall picture of what your life looks like. So love to be on that journey with you. If we can help in any way, please be in touch. God bless. Hey everyone, Ben here. Look, another way to take a step towards God's call is to look at joining a team. It's a great way to get connected and it can help build some of your leadership skills. So if you're looking at joining a team or you're wanting some more information, come find me. I'm happy to help. Thanks for that, Michael and Ben. Yeah, hey, and if you're new to Activate Church, it is great to have you with us. It's awesome to see you watching online today. A big welcome if you're on the live stream. If you're watching from North Tuaco Campus or Rilkuta Campus, it's awesome to have you with us today. What are your plans for tomorrow night? Come to the Axe Regional Gathering. And so the Axe movement that we are a part of was birthed out of the book of Acts in the Bible. Pretty cool, eh? 
And so we'll be joining with other Acts churches in our area to worship, to pray, and to encounter Jesus. So why don't you come along tomorrow at Rokuta Campus, 7.30 p.m. Next month, we have the opportunity to learn the basic techniques and principles of Sozo Prayer Counseling. Sozo is quick, it's efficient, it's spirit-led, and it's effective. And so if you've got a heart for leading people to encounter God and to see change happen in their life, this is for you. This training is being held on the 21st to the 22nd of May. And if you're interested in some more details or you want to get registered, then head to the Activate Church Facebook page or website. Well, that's all the notices for today. Yeah, I pray that you experience God's love today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Your church, if you want to stand to your feet. God, but just before we do that, we've got some exciting news tonight. We're going to be playing two new songs from Activate. So the first one is called Step in Two, and the next one is um, The King is Here. So you'll hear them later on in the set, but we've got some space down here if you want to come boogie.
praise rose up I give you everything Church, how are we doing? How was that? How was that? The band are amazing tonight. Give them a hand. They did awesome. Hey, you guys can grab a seat for now. I'll invite you back up later. Um, my name is Liam, for those that don't know, um, and I'm going to be sharing communion tonight. Um, it's a really great privilege to be able to do this. Um, yeah, the peeps can hand out the elements now. That would be great. Um, I wrote this couple hours ago. I <laughs> um, didn't know I was doing communion till this morning-ish, um, but thankfully God is good and he's already put stuff on my heart. Um, so my name's Liam. Um, I serve on the, 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 the worship team. Um, <clears throat> there's something in my throat. I had nuts beforehand, so it's... <laughs> um, I study at uni, um, so I do music and computer science, and um, I actually work at the uni as well. And the hostels. So if you ever want a really good yarn about something nuts and crazy, come and talk to me because I have <laughs> a lot of different hostel stories and um, all sorts. Um, I grew up in a Christian household, um, and something that was really, really important to me in my household was communion. Um, and this took place and in, uh, in form in a whole lot of different ways. And my goal for today is to kind of give you a fresh perspective on communion and what it can mean and how you can actually not just do communion at church, but in your own lives. Um, so I love to delve into definitions when writing about scripture because I feel they help my brain expand. Um, so the word communion is actually derived from the Latin word communio. Uh, this word simply means to have communion alongside God and communion alongside humans. Um, and the official definition for communion um, is to exchange intimate thoughts, um, intimate feelings um, on an emotional or spiritual level. Um, so growing up, obviously, it was very important to me and my family that we connected in this way, spiritually, emotionally, talking about God, um, discussions that, that are healthy and uh, mind-expanding. Um, this takes place at the dinner table, in the car, um, all Wherever, wherever it happens, it happens. Um, and it's communion. Um, so keep this in mind. I actually want to read a story from Acts 8 that might not seem like a communion story, but I think it actually really is. 
Um, and um, you don't have to read along with me. Um, it's, it's in Acts 8.26. Um, and I, as I read this, I want you to visualize the story and I want you to imagine what is happening um, and, and see how communion can really impact someone else's life that might not even know what it is. So uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26, which is here. Uh, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met a treasurer, a treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch, um, a great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of, of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk alongside uh, beside the carriage. Philip ran over, he ran, um, and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. He asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? So the eunuch urged Philip to join him into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture that, had been, uh, that the eunuch was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him about the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came, under, uh, they came to some water, and the eunuch had said, Look, there is some water. Why can't I be baptized? So uh, Philip took him down to the water, and he was baptized. I love the story so much, because um, first and foremost, Philip is obedient. God says, go and do this, and he does, and someone's life is changed forever. Um, I love to imagine Philip sitting down with the eunuch and intimately just talking about Jesus with him, about the good news, about how Jesus changed lives, about how Jesus changed Philip's life. Um, and I love the, the idea of the eunuch being so interested in them just having this conversation between one another. Um, Philip has communion with the eunuch, um, and it, he realizes, oh my gosh, I need this Jesus. He realizes it to the point where he sees the nearest body of water. It could have been a puddle for all we know. And says, why can't I be baptized as well? And I just find this such an incredible example of how a simple act of communion um, can change someone's life forever. So as you take your elements, um, I want you to do two things. I want you to ask God, how can you show me ways in my life where I can share communion with those around me? that need it? How can I change someone else's life with communion? And I also want you to give thanks. Um, remember Jesus. Remember that he died and rose again and give him some praise in your heart. Give him some thanks in your heart because none of this would be here without him.
to unending grace for your mercy is without any end we step into your loving
that the king is in this place and I pray that dry bones would awaken as we continue to praise and exalt your name the king of kings the lord of lords
serve the Lord as for me and my house we will serve the Lord we will serve the Don't be afraid of passion. Don't be afraid of passion for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're talking tonight about the bigness of God. And it's part of the bigness of God that needs to grip your emotions. We're going to talk tonight about the heart, the head and the hands. But right now I'm speaking to the heart. And I want us just to, in this place, just to, from the bottom of our hearts, just to well up the the greatest offering of praise tonight. And I just believe that as we do that, you'll capture something of the bigness of God. Let something break on the inside of you to capture something of the bigness of God in your life tonight. Jesus, we praise you. Let's lift up a shout of praise. Let's respond to that anthem we sing. Jesus, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We honor you and praise you, Jesus. We love you.
Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, I pray, just reveal to us more of the bigness of our God in the area of our heart, in the area of our understanding, and just how we put that into practice, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's awesome. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Let's give the, the team, weren't they fantastic? Thank you, team. You're amazing. We love you. Fantastic. And part of that tonight, I just really feel, is because the bigness of God from them is really impacting our lives. So, uh, and we're expressing something of the bigness of God. Thank you. That's awesome. We're going to talk tonight about the bigness of God, and um, we're going to talk in those three areas of the heart, the head, and the hands. And um, we're part of this series that's a prophetic series that Pastor Sheridan has us on about back to the future. So we're going back into Pentecost to grab some of the truths of the church. Pentecost was the birthday of the church. Better to start my time about now, I suppose. Got a few minutes under my belt already and we haven't even started. That's good going, Michael. And the timer won't start either, so there's extra time right there. And then how do we take that on uh, into our, you know, of how our expression of how we do church today? You know, a marriage, a passionless marriage is not fun. And um, you can survive that for a period of time, but I think it's hard to survive it for a long period of time. I want to say to you that Gillian and I love each other more today than when we were first married. This Wednesday, we'll have been married 37 years. Now, how does it happen that, you know, after 37 years, Gillian can be more in love with me and I can be more in love with her. Gosh, I'm getting hot already. It's, a, it's, it's getting a bit steamy up here. <laughs> and Gillian's not even here. So. You know, part of the reason for that, I mean, you, you could say, well, it's Michael, it's just you've got more good looking over the years. And, and I thought about it, but I thought about it too late. I thought about uh, during the gathering when we were in praise, it kind of spoilt the moment a bit. I thought of showing you a picture of when I was in my stubbies and my work boots and my singlet on the orchard. I thought, no, that's probably not appropriate, so you were spared from that. It might be that Gillian has grown more attractive over the years. That's probably more of a possibility, right, ladies? That's, that's possible. But the reality is that we love each other more because of the stuff that we've been through. You know, in the Christian life, passion will wax and wane, but it really is important that you have passion for Jesus. Some of you might say, oh, Michael, you know, I'd love to have passion for Jesus, but right now I'm just in a hard season, and I, and I just don't feel that. I'm not wanting you to be inauthentic, but I am wanting you to not side with not having a passionate expression of your Christian faith. You can't live there forever. You can survive for a season, but you, you need in your Christian faith to really feel that in the area of your heart and your emotions. Now, why is it that I'm so in love with Gillian? We're going on a road trip, actually, for our 37th wedding anniversary, a Coromandel road trip. That should be fun. Keep on saying to Gillian, are we old enough for a camper van yet? And the other day she said, yes, I think we are. So wasn't sure whether it was a good or a bad thing, but off we go. We'll let you know how that goes, maybe. And the reason for that is we've been through different seasons in our marriage, but when I think about when we, we wanted to start a family, and that was, that was difficult for us, we struggled with that whole battle of infertility. And, and Gillian had several operations, and I look at her and I think, this was the woman that went under the knife that we could bring a family into the world. 
This was the woman that when uh, our daughter was 13 years of age, and she said, this is a bit embarrassing part of the message, but come on, darling, just suck it up. And, um, you know, when our daughter was 13 and she was living rough on the streets and we would walk the streets of Wellington from normally about 9 o'clock to midnight before we, repeated, before we reported her as a missing person with the police, who was the woman that was there? And why does it always rain on a Friday night in Wellington? <laughs> Probably because it always rains in Wellington. But who was the woman who was there? during those times. Who was the woman that has done more for our family than anyone else? This woman. And in our Christian life, it's like that. We think, well, who was it that gave us life that we might have life and have life in all of its fullness? It was Jesus. And we really need to take hold of some of these foundational scriptures. In Romans chapter 5, in verses uh, 6 to 8, we read, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Well, that counts you and I out of the picture. But God showed us great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, we need to let the reality of that resonate within our lives. This is another great scripture. It's Pastor Sheridan and my, one of our favorites, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And I'm saying to you, if you're living in an expression of Christianity that has no passion, has no feeling within you, you're not leading a rich and satisfying life. You know, times of worship like we had tonight, times of praise, they're so important because you go away with just a bigger picture of who God is. And we need that. That needs to be part of our our Christian experience. I thought of that song as I was preparing that message, break my heart for what breaks yours. You know, what is it that breaks your heart? What is it that you're passionate about? Now, that's a journey, as as I've said before. But what is it that you're passionate about? Does your heart break for the lonely and the lost? Does your heart break for people who don't have assurance of salvation? Does your heart break for those who are being sexually exploited? Does your heart break for those that don't have food and shelter and clothing? What does your heart break for? And you need to press into that and take hold of that because you are God's answer to the world in an area where you have that passion resonating within you. I'm saying to you, please, for the sake of the kingdom, please for bringing more of the kingdom from heaven to earth, don't lead a passionless Christian life. What is it? that breaks in your heart. And as you respond to that, you bring something of the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. So if you're going to be big-hearted, you need to have that expression of passion. The next part's really important, is you need to know the why. Because there are some days when you wake up, if you're married and you roll over, and perhaps Gillian looks at me and says, well, why did I marry that guy? I'm sure that never happens. There are some times when she's She's appropriate response from the front here. You know, sometimes in your Christian life, you have those times when you think, God, you just don't seem as real today. You just don't seem as close. And in those times, it's not enough just to have passion. You need to have the why. God is big-hearted. We're big-hearted because we're created in God's image, and God himself is big-hearted. We need to understand that. We need to understand that God's big-heartedness is an expression of the goodness of God. And God is holy. That means God is without mixture. That means that God isn't good one day and not good the next day. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the big-heartedness of God is a constant expression. When we express something of the bigness of God, the big-heartedness of God, we're expressing what it means to be created in His image. 
The heavens and the earth are an expression of God's love. Pastor Sheridan and Pastor Jan were out last night. I was out less time than they were last night looking at the stars. I was only looking at the stars because I was waiting for the dog to have a wee before he'd go to bed. So come on, buddy, get out there. And it's wet grass. He's this monstrous great dog, and he doesn't like getting his feet wet on the grass, so tiptoeing around. But in the moment, I looked up, and you see the stars, and you think, God, you're amazing. You created the heavens and the earth, and yet you created me in your image. And we need to understand something of the why. Being big-hearted is an expression of God's love to the world, and it's expressed through the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. You might be familiar with these scriptures. The Great Commandment is simply you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And the greatest commandment is secondly, equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we do that, we reveal something of God's big-heartedness to the world. Now, if I was God, I wouldn't have done this this way. But fortunately for you and for others, I'm not God. My wife will remind me of that on several occasions. And, um, but God has chosen to work through you and I. I would have done it some other way. I would have used angels riding in clouds. I, you know, I just wouldn't have done it that way. But God has chosen to reveal his kingdom through you and me. And our bigger-hearted expression reveals something of God's big-hearted expression for the world in which we live. The second scripture is the Great Commission, and it simply says, Jesus said to his disciples after he had been crucified and resurrected, he said, all authority is given in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and I will teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we've got a job to do. We're to take this big-hearted love of this big-hearted God to the world in which we live. So it's important that you have, in terms of understanding the big-heartedness of God, it's important that you understand it in the realms of your heart. It's important that you understand it in the terms of your head. But this is probably, they're all important. It's also important that you understand it in the realms of the hands. So how are we going to do this come Monday to Sunday? What's it going to look like? in your life, in my life, to be big-hearted. Now, the problem is, they say most of us have only got 20% of discretionary time. 80% of the time, we're sleeping, we're eating, we're studying, we're working. Um, And so there's only 20% of time that we actually have to do something with. So we need to be really intentional in what we're doing. And part of the problem with this, too, is that God comes at the most inconvenient times. And so the first one that we're going to see in terms of how is how do we use our time? Sometimes I'll come home from work and Gillian will say, how did your day go? i say, Gillian, I just didn't get a thing done that I wanted to get done today. Have you had days like that? You know, maybe you've come, I don't know, home from school or uni, wherever you are, and one of your flatmates or your mum or dad's asked, you know, how was your day? And you said, well, I just didn't get a thing that I wanted. Didn't start that assignment, didn't do this. And Gillian says to me, Sometimes Gillian and Jesus are really quite close. In fact, the other night at Activate College, Bruce, I think I confused them, didn't I? I said, you know, it was, yeah, they're pretty close. So I do understand that Jesus is up the top, but Gillian's close some days. And she said to me, well, were there things that God wanted you to do? And I said, yeah, I think they were. She said, well, don't sweat it then. God can work through those. And sometimes it's in the detours of life. So what happens when you're at school and someone comes across your path and you just have that inner prompting, oh, I should really go and just be a friend to that person. Or I should have lunch with that person. Or I should pray with that person. 
or I should help that person? How do we make the most of those inconvenient times, those divine appointments? You know, God loves stretching us. So sometimes, you know, you've, you've set aside time to do something and that time gets taken with something else and then, God, I'm just going to have to trust you. It's not that I've been slack. It's not that I've been lazy. Lord, I've just been busy about what you've given me to do and now I'm going to have to trust you with what I've got ahead of me and just to trust God in that time. So how do we allow God to use our time? How do we pick up on those divine interruptions of life? The next way is the talents that we've been given. And friends, we've all been given gifts and talents and abilities. It's not as though God had a sack of gifts and talents and abilities and he got to, to one person and he said, oh, and they said, oh, God, you've run out. I'm so sorry. He goes, don't worry, there's something here for you too. We all have gifts and talents and abilities. And I understand that's a journey sometimes to discover those. But what does that look like for you and how do you put that into practice? For me, I love horticulture. I love growing things that you can eat. I sometimes grow things that you can't eat, but my preference is growing things that you can eat. And, uh, and I love growing things, and I love giving away things to others. And I was reflecting on that this week and thinking, why is that? Am I just broken inside? Do I need inner healing or whatever? And some would say yes. But I think it's because in doing that, my heart just grows bigger for God. You know, I see a bigger God in that, and, and just the way in which horticulture works, and the way in which you plant a seed, and you see it grow, and you see it produce a crop, and you share that crop with others, and it brings something of the goodness and the faithfulness of God into another person's life. Now that's me, but what does that look like for you? What are the gifts and talents that God's given you that when you share them, you experience something of the bigness of God, and others who receive them experience something of the bigness of God in you? That's really important journey to be on and to find out what that looks like for you. I felt prophetically that God was saying to someone tonight, there are things hidden from our world for you to discover, and as you share these by being big-hearted, your understanding of how big God is will increase. What's the hidden treasure in you? That as you discover that will increase your understanding of how big God is, and as you share it with others will increase their understanding also. Financial resources, being big-hearted with the financial resources that God has given us. Now, it's interesting, God doesn't ask us to give what he hasn't given us. Just recently, we were reminded, weren't we, of the story of the offering in Luke chapter 21 and uh, of people putting in large amounts of money, and there was a widow who put in just two small coins. I think, Jay, you were talking about that. And that was the most insignificant offering, but Jesus said it was the most significant. And so what does it mean for you and I to allow God to use our financial resources. I felt really convicted this week. Well, I kind of felt too convicted because I missed two opportunities, so I must have been a slow learner. But, you know, sometimes I think, God, I tithe, I give to other offerings, I've done my bit. And um, I can't remember where we were, Claudelands or something we were, and, and went past, and it's Poppy Day coming up. And all I've got is a $10 note in my wallet. I never normally have any money in my wallet. I learned that when you have a teenage daughter. When she asks for money, no money in the wallet. Sorry, I haven't got any money in my wallet. So, so still a practice to carry on to this day. So if you've got parents like that, just say, well, here's my bank account number. You can put it in by direct banking. So yeah, or now you've got smartphones, can't you? Just bump my phone and send me 50 bucks. So uh, you learned that tip from here, but don't blame me, all right? So don't say that you got it from church. You might not be allowed to come again. So, and I thought, oh, I've only got 10 bucks. And so I thought, no, that's too much. And I walked past. I thought, oh, I probably should have given something. And then we were somewhere else, Jill. I can't remember where that was either. And another chance missed. 
I thought, oh, I've got to preach about this. You know, it's, that's the worst thing about having to give a message is we have to live this. It has to be authentic for us before it can be authentic for anyone else. So I had to go on the Give a Little page and look up the RSA and donate $10. And I don't even get the poppy. But at least my conscience is clear and I felt I was obedient to what God asked. But what does that look like for you? What does it look like to sow $2? You know, it's not the amount, it's the heart attitude. And when we place our, our money into God's hands, you know, not only it's multiplied, but people experience something of the big heartedness of God through us. This is probably one of the hardest, but one of the most important forgiveness. How are we big hearted with our forgiveness? In Luke chapter 7 and verse 47, there's another story that we learnt recently about how the Pharisees, it was Simon the Pharisee who invited this woman with a, a doubtful reputation um, to come to his house, or she came to his house as he had invited other guests, and the other guests that he had there were saying, how is it, Simon, that you allow a woman like this to be here? And um, you might remember the story where she washes Jesus' feet with her hair in a wonderful tribute of just how much she loved our Lord and Saviour. And, um, and in that context, they told a, a story about uh, debt that was forgiven. One person was forgiven a large debt and one person was forgiven a, a small debt. And Jesus said in the context of which they were gathered, who would appreciate that most? The person who was given a lo- forgiven a lot of debt or the person who was forgiven a little debt? And Simon the Pharisee, who's hosting this banquet, says the person who was given the larger debt. And that's so true. When we think about how much Jesus has forgiven us, how can we not offer forgiveness to others? Now, forgiveness is not the same. It's, it's not about forgetting. If someone has done something to you which is horrific, it's not that you forget that ever happened, but you choose to forgive that person. You choose that it doesn't have hold power over you anymore, but you don't necessarily forget what happened to you. At the um, had the privilege with Simon of teaching the theology block course recently and heard that story again, Simon, that I want to read to you about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, uh, the talks there. And I know that wasn't a perfect process, but this is one story that touched my heart. And there was, um, at these Truth and, and Reconciliation meetings, there was a lady there and she'd lost her son. Her son at 18 years old had been, had been uh, captured by a police officer and had been shot and then five years later, I think it might be longer than that, was it eight years later, that police officer came to her house again and took her husband and bound him and poured petrol over him and set him alight. And at the Truth and Reconciliation meeting, the judge said to this woman, what is it that you want from this hearing? And she said, I want the officer to go. And I want him to go to the place where they burnt my husband and I wanted the officer to gather up some of the dust from there so that I can bury my husband. And there's still a lot of love left in me. So I want this officer to come to the ghetto where I live. I want him to come twice every month so that I can be like a mother to him and and he can know that I've forgiven him and I can love him and be there for him. And I want now to be able to give him a hug so that he knows that he's truly forgiven. That's redemptive forgiveness. And friends, when you forgive, Your forgiveness can be redemptive. And in giving forgiveness like that, something of the bigness of God is shared with people in your world. It's that important. The next thing I wanted to talk tonight is about... Whoops, I think we've... um, Not quite sure. Is the importance of serving. 
Serving is really important. There's a story in Matthew chapter 20, and it's about the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and mum rocks up to Jesus and she says, Jesus, I'm wanting one of my sons to sit at your right hand and one of your sons to sit at the left hand in heaven, which is quite a big ask, wouldn't you say? And Jesus says, look, that's not mine to decide. That's way above my pay scale or whatever. I don't know how that works because they're all equal in the Trinity. But, um, but anyway, that's not mine to decide. And so it just was an, uh, um, an outrageous kind of request that she's making. And in the context of that, Jesus says, The Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what does it look like for us to serve? I think we all need to serve to experience something of the bigness of God. Sometimes I go into the men's bathroom. I don't often go into the ladies' bathroom, so I don't know what that's like, ladies. I never go into the ladies' bathroom unless Gillian goes there through there first to make sure it's safe. But sometimes I go into the men's bathroom and there are paper towels on the floor. People have stood on them. You can see footprints on them. It's really annoying. Now I'm thinking, who did that? And then I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, Michael, pick it up. It's really annoying. And I think, oh, I've got to pick that up. Sometimes I go to the kitchen and there are dishes, you know, just all over the bench. I think, how do people think those dishes are magically going to get from the bench into the dishwasher? Or the dishwasher's clean. How do people think that those dishes are going to magically get from the dishwasher into the cupboard? And I feel the Holy Spirit saying, Michael, you do it. I think, man, someone is praying manipulative prayers. <laughs> but the thing is that we all need to serve. We all need to serve. You'll all have little challenges like that. I'm not sure what it will be for you, but it will be something, I promise you. And in doing that, we experience something of the bigness of God, something of the gratitude of God. So Ben will be waiting at the door as you go out. He'll have a clipboard and he'll be able to sign you up. In fact, just say yes to Ben and he'll decide where you go. It won't be a problem at all. I'm sure he'll do that for you. And last one, because I, I hear my wrist buzzing, is, um, can you hear your wrist buzzing? Probably not. Feel my wrist buzzing. Big hearted with gratitude and thanksgiving. That's why praise and worship is so important. You know, your world is shaped by your words. If you're an overly negative kind of person and you just kind of give in to that, then eventually that will shape the world in which you live. There's a, a scripture in Proverbs, and it says simply this. It says, The tongue can bring life or death. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So we'll become like the people that we speak. And so the power of words is really, really important. What kind of atmosphere are we creating? If you're married tonight, what kind of atmosphere are you creating in your home? I'm continually challenged by, you know, is my spouse being being built up and edified by the kind of atmosphere that I'm creating at home, as a parent or um, as a young person, at school, at university. What kind of atmosphere are we creating with our words? Because atmospheres are created with our words. They give life or they give death. We choose. And as we choose to give life, then that means that something of the bigness of God is released into that situation. I'm not talking about being inauthentic, but I'm talking about living a dimension of the Christian faith with faith and just not always going to the negative side of things. What does it look like for you to be big-hearted in your gratitude and thanksgiving of God and the people of the world? I want to finish tonight by showing you this picture. 
This picture excites me. It may not excite you. I understand that. But um, I'm not sure if you know what a magnolia flower looks like. It looks like this. And it just amazed me. You know, you kind of see it and you just see, well, that looks nice. But then someday, I don't know why, I just decided to peel back the petals a little bit and see what was underneath. Isn't that amazing? That intricate structure. You know, God created that. It's normally not even seen, it's hidden. But God created that with, with finesse, with detail. You know, I, I studied plant pathology, so maybe it's tied up with better pollination. I'm not sure. I haven't studied magnolia flowers. You can't eat them, but um, maybe if you could, I'd be a bit more motivated. I'm not sure. But it just reminded me that we're like that. You're precious, you're unique. There's something special that God has for you to do. There's something of the bigness of God that you carry that's to be released to the world in which we live. And friends, that really starts by acknowledging the Creator, acknowledging the one who is the leader of your life, the one who forgives you of your sin. And in a moment, I'm just going to ask for heads to be bowed and eyes to be closed. And if that's you, as you're on this journey of of learning about the big-heartedness of God, of being big-hearted to others, It starts with acknowledging the Creator and choosing to do life with Him. So just as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, is there anyone tonight and and you sense the Spirit of God just, you'll know because your heart's racing or maybe your palms are sweaty, whatever it is for you, but you just sense that God is tagging on your heartstrings or maybe you've, you've made a commitment but you're just in a time where your Christian faith isn't as passionate as it once was. Well, just recommitting your life to Him is a great way just to ignite that fire again. So just as I look around from the left to the right, is there anyone tonight? Great, thank you. Father, I pray for everyone here tonight. Thank you for the new, new, unique grace and gifting on people's lives. Thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to create us in your image. And Lord, as we express the gifts and talents and abilities you've given us, as we use the time that you've given us, as we learn to forgive as you've forgiven us, thank you that something of the big-heartedness of God is released on the world in which we live. God, I pray that you help us to be women and men tonight that live life with passion, who engage the head and ask the why questions and put our hands to work and figure out what this looks like in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Michael. That was a really encouraging, inspiring thought-provoking, challenging word. And um, I just want to say that in the last little while that we've been getting to know you guys since you've been up in Hamilton, um, you are both real genuinely um, big-hearted, passionate people about God and big-hearted and passionate about seeing people come into a relationship with God and really live out um, who God has called them to be. So thank you so much for sharing with us tonight. And um, yeah. Can I encourage you to not just go from here and go, oh, that was cool. Had a bit of a laugh. Thank goodness I didn't see him in his stubbies. (laughs) 
but to go from here and actually spend time with God and become, you know, super passionate about God and ask God um, how He wants you to outwork what you've learned and heard and what He's imparted into you tonight. So it becomes action from tonight. Oh, that'd be cool. Awesome. Who can tell me what's happening on the 9th of May? Mother's Day! Don't forget Mother's Day. <laughs> it is Mother's Day, but that also means that we have a change in gathering times. So we will be gathering at 9am, 10.30am and 6pm here at Ruakura. And Tuako and North will be at 10.30am. So make sure you lock that in your calendar. If you do come early, oh well, no problem. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Um, thank you, church, for being purposed in your giving. I know um, the youth had an amazing time, was it a couple of Fridays ago? You guys had how many salvations and commitments? Six on the Friday night. That's awesome. So good, so good. And it's because of our giving that enables us to reach people for God's kingdom, which is super exciting and what we're all about. If there's anything that we can pray with you tonight about, we would absolutely love to do that. And we have a prayer team. So at the end of the gathering, why don't you come on up and someone would love to pray with you. We'd love to do that. And we have snack and chat at the end, but why don't you take a, um, take a stand? <laughs> stand up. <laughs> Jump to your feet. Come to the front. And we will finish with a song and then have something to eat together, eh? Awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome.
See 